0: Welcome to Writers Talking TV brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Jill Golick and I'm here at the Bell Lightbox in downtown Toronto. I'm really excited about tonight's guest. Peter Mitchell is showrunner of Murdoch Mysteries and has written on more than 23 series. It's an incredible body of work. Pete is one of Canada's great talents. We are going to watch with him an episode of Murdoch Mysteries. It's episode 703. It's called The Filmed Adventures of Detective William Murdoch. You can find it on cbc.ca and uh, follow along at home listening to the podcast. And so, without further ado, let's find out what Pete has to say. Good evening, everybody. Thanks so much for coming out. My name is Jill Golick. I'm the president of the Writers Guild of Canada and this event is uh hosted by the Writers Guild of Canada. Pete Mitchell is a really smart guy. He knows a ton about television and he's really candid. You're candid, right?
1: Yeah, when the occasion arises.
0: Okay. And so I'm and and, and we actually once chatted before um about television and it was and all the all the writers talking TVs I ever did, it was my favorite bar none. So, I'm excited to reprise the discussion. Uh, thank you, Joe. Okay, so you know, I was I I just checked your IMDb page briefly today, and I noticed that there were 23 series on it. Writing for 23 series is that approximately correct?
1: Uh, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've Never filled anything in on the IMD page, so I just... Yeah, it's probably right.
0: And so how did you end up writing for TV? How'd that
1: happen? Uh, Well, sort of dumb luck, and it wasn't really by design. It was... uh, um, I'd I'd done a degree in history and journalism, which was really going to go nowhere. And uh, (laughs) so I went out to... to, had been working as a janitor for about a year and a half and I kind of went well that sort of sucks because I'm only like 24 and so I went to the York University film program which probably at the time was one of the very few and I did a screenwriting course there and the screenwriting prof was also the head of drama at CTV at the time Uh, so I took the night course and uh he got me a gig on a half hour TV show as a, a PA. And when the script typist quit, I, I, I lied and said I could type and <laughs> just started hanging out. And uh, the story editor at the time took a liking to me. And the following year I, you know, wrote them a whole script and wasn't really appropriate for the show, but they liked my writing, so mm. what they gave me an episode. What show was it? Uh, a show called The Campbells, which ran for three or four years on, C- on CTV and Scottish TV. And we used to do runs of 26 then, and I think in the first year I did six of them. And wow. another gig followed, another gig followed... So, uh, but so no real formal training per se.
0: Well, you just said you went to York and took screenwriting. Well, that was one course. Oh, just one course. I took okay. one
1: first year entry course and uh, never paid the tuition, so I never got any <laughs> marks. Okay, I just want to <laughs> tell you that a lot of
0: there are uh, quite a few students here from my screenwriting course at York. So just make sure that they understand that they won't get a job from me. Well,
1: <laughs> I mean, that's why I took the night course, right? Because it was like, well, this guy works in the business, right? It kind of makes sense that I should take the course with him if I can. And, uh, you know, there was sort of an internship kind of program, and I, was, you know, I got one of the two positions, and the, the other person went on and, and, and got a position on another show at the time called Night Heat. And I don't know what happened to her.
0: Oh, really? Oh, so she's faded. So now, th- uh, when when you were working on The Campbells, was there anything like a story room? I mean, there was a story editor. Uh, was everything a freelance
1: script? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, yeah, <coughs> I think in the first year, I think almost everything was a freelance script. There may have been <coughs> two or three episodes written by us, like Joe, 25-year-old guy, and... and and story editor, but everything else was, was, was parsed out and and freelanced. It and sometimes it would be a, a, a steady group of freelancers, like it wouldn't be 22 different people, like people would get like four episodes, another person would get three episodes. So it wasn't a de facto writer room, but you would still bring in the writer or the writing team and we would sit down and kick around the story for a day or two and then they'd go off and do an outline so it was you know there was always that concept of some sort of group dynamic at play when you were creating a story
0: and when did when did like story rooms really start what was the first show you were well gosh street legal street legal Yeah, yeah i mean there
1: was four of us in the room we were the four writers on the show and uh we wrote everything until we all got fired one by one. <laughs> Where I learned, the well, they, can, they can't fire us. How could they fire the writers <laughs> who would make the show? Well, four other people who looked like <laughs> us came in the next day, right? And and they just took over. But that was a writing room, in, in truth. So that was a long time that ago. That
0: was a long time ago. Yeah, so and it's
1: not a new invention.
0: And when did you first get called a showrunner? Um... Uh, were you sh- a showrunner in Cold Squad?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. the first showrunner gig was a show called Madison and that was I couldn't even tell you what year that was. It was the year Kirk Cobain died.
0: Okay. Any 90 yeah, f- 94. 94, thank go. you. There you yeah. go. Okay, so along it's cuz I mean we were tar- we were talking about this the other day when um about when the showrunning tradition sort of started in this country and and and, and and do you think it's changed since 94? I mean, do you think you have more power, more control, or anything like that, more respect?
1: I've always been, quite frankly, really lucky. I mean, by the second or third year of that show, which I think I was on for four or five, I can't remember, uh, I was getting final cut and all that stuff, casting, uh, I'd be the one who'd interface, Interface. I'd be the one who'd talk to the networks. And uh, so in my particular position or my particular personality or control freakishness or whatever, I've always been lucky. It hasn't been really an issue of lack of respect.
0: But it isn't just luck. I mean, you have to convince them that you know what you're doing and that they're going to let you do it, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's always been my thing is that they pay me for my taste. I mean, that's the one skill that I have. And so if they want a, a show that I'm committed to making, it has to be a show I'm committed to making, whether it's a, a Murdoch or or Traders, which are radically different shows. Right. You know, but... Hopefully there's some sort of weird uh, vision or message or something in those shows, which I kind of try and figure out.
0: So how did you end up on Murdoch?
1: I thought Murdoch was a really good show, and I applied for the job, I think at the end of the second year, and I didn't get it, and went on and did some unmemorable stuff on some other shows and then they came around to me again two years later
0: uh uh-huh. so what you, so that was the fourth season fifth season how, how long fifth have you season been, how long have you been on the show three years now three years yeah this
1: will be the third year
0: and uh, i've never heard of this before changing networks has this ever happened to you before uh
1: not really not uh, no have no. you ever
0: heard of it in a canadian show before
1: i'm sure there's an example but not, not a one-hour drama that's got some kind of import. I'm sure there's been other shows that have moved from a smaller network to another smaller network. But no, it was kind of a big deal for us. But I think even when City canceled it, I don't think any of us really thought it was canceled. Really? No, it was a good show. We knew it was a good show. We knew that there was um, a lot of good will towards the show there was a lot of positive about the show because it is so kind of unabashedly Canadian without being sucky about it and we just kind of felt that oh CBC's got to pick us up okay you know like, and
0: look how great you like were. why
1: wouldn't they <laughs> you know yeah. it's cheap it's period it's done we got the set We got the wardrobe, (laughs) and we've got, even on on City, which is a really tiny concern, we had decent numbers. So, I know, and Christine is very persistent, and, uh, you know, she made, she and Kirsten, who's no longer there at CBC, made it happen. But uh, I don't think any of us had, you know, shoveled dirt on the grave when we heard we were canceled we thought, come on. And and we kinda knew about a month before it was announced that there was a good chance it was gonna happen. But it was still fun to jump on the desk on the last day of shooting and say, hey, guess what? We're going again. And uh, yeah, that was a good feeling. I
0: bet that was, I, I heard from uh, that somebody in a hallway in Banff that um, from Rogers who said that you did better numbers on CBC than on Rogers even when CBC had the second window do you know if that's true
1: yeah we uh, came onto the CBC after airing on City all all whenever City aired us but a month later the reruns went on CBC and I think we were getting you know 650 to eight kind of on the second run So when you coupled that with the city numbers, which were probably four to six, you're going, hey, well, you know, we're getting 1.2 to 1.4 million people watching this show. I mean, that's probably not really true because the Murdoch fans are so crazy, they're probably just watching it on CBC as well. You know, (laughs) they're, uh, but, you know, it. I think it debuted on, it beat CBC's projections of what they thought they were going to do in that first rerun season. Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so I think we should um, get to the episode. Do you want to uh, set it up? Uh,
1: just, it's uh, it's an atypical Murdoch in that we play the comedy a bit more than we normally would. Uh, it was one I kind of wrote to get myself enthused about the season because, you know, at the end of two years, it's like, oh, God, another, you know. So it was kind <laughs> of to try and get my creative juice going, to have a bit of fun, uh, to make a few in-jokes about the Canadian industry in general, yeah. and, uh, and just to, you know, have a bit of a lark. Uh, it's, it's not nor a normal Murdoch in that the mystery is not front and center, uh, but it was sort of a love letter to the fans and the characters and kind of the business.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, so a very special episode it is of v- Murdoch v- Mystery. <laughs> So, well, we're, we're um, uh, applauding, uh, I know you have uh, some of your story department here. Do you want to introduce them?
1: Sure. Who's here? I think uh, Carol's here. Carol Hayes has been with the show since almost the beginning, I think, along with Paul Aiken, who's somewhere else. Uh, it's in Europe somewhere. <laughs> and uh, Michelle Ricci has been with the show. She was a student of mine at the CFC, and she's been on it for three years now. She came along with me when I took the job. And this year I have two more students from that CFC class who um, joined this year and they both uh, wrote their first one hour episodes. Uh, Jordan Christensen and Simon McNabb
0: i have so many questions i think i'll follow that with um you know you seem to have a real commitment to training people and bringing people up with you and 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 i i know this from a lot of writers who who i know who who have had their first gigs with you and who you know credit you with the start of your career their career so why
1: well i need somebody when i'm on the way down (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: you know uh no i mean i think it's important i think you know um I had a sort of a distinct lack of training doing this, I mean the programs that are available now just don't exist and was fortunate enough to have uh, you know a couple of really good mentors early on. Uh, I was one of those guys who got a job very young with um, senior writers who were quite a bit older than me Uh, so they never had that kind of fear of me taking their job. Like, it wasn't a 25-year-old versus a 35-year-old. It was more like a 25-year-old versus a 60-year-old. So if I could do heavy lifting, you know, so much the better. And, uh, you know, those, those, those people meant a lot to my career. So, you know, pay it forward.
0: Right, right. Well, it's, I, I think it's, um, if it, it's an ethic that or a, a culture that you pass on to other writers I think it's a good one I like it um so um so talk about research and how you how you maintain what appears to be historical accuracy and also how you write about true historical figures and
1: yeah well we're you know it, it gets increasingly tricky I mean all the you know we'll be wrapping episode 96 this year uh, so most of the low-hanging fruit is, you know, long been devoured and reconstituted into something else. Uh, so generally, I try and build as much lead time into the prep schedule as possible—two uh, and a half to three months, if I can, with with the writers. And you know, part of that is a, you know, uh, evaluation of all the stuff we didn't do as well as we could of last year and, and, you know, because the show and its fan base is so committed to uh, the, the relationships of the characters, you know, we always have to hit ourselves on the head every year that we don't turn this into Murdoch and Friends, you know, which serialized TV is the easiest TV to write. Right. After a certain point in time, it's like, oh no, Crabtree's got cancer oh no, (laughs) Ogden's got a miscarriage. You know, you can just make up shit in 20 minutes that you can run a season on. Uh, So basically we look pretty diligently at the events of the year. Like, that's 1901. So four or five stories this year will be kind of hinged on events. The death of Queen Victoria, the assassination of William McKinley. So we find these events and then we sort of go parsing around for probable scientific inventions
0: uh, you know,
1: you know, that we did a 1901 was the first time they actually codified blood, you know, for a cop show. That's a big deal. Right Now you got A, B, C and Murdoch misnames it. That D. was
0: last week. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and then we sort of look for historical characters um, that could have been in Toronto and generally we don't take a historical character unless we can get some kind of documentation that they were actually there so you know that's just a stupid rule we have right (laughs) what about Freud Freud never came here you know uh, so we don't do it so Winston Churchill showed up once all right that's an episode so we look at those things from the the perspective of the time like these are the things that were going on and we kinda work on the principle that Murdoch has the internet in his head. So if dude was inventing something in China and other dude was inventing something in England and somebody in South Africa was doing this, he he knows that. So he can put the pieces together. So he's encyclopedia encyclopedia Brown, right? He he knows everything. He knows everything. And and so, if he knows that this, in combination with this, could create sonar, you know, he can do it. But the pieces have to be there. I mean, even in this one, even though sound on film didn't come till much later, there was a guy in Paris at the time who had an audio movie theater, you know. So, it wouldn't have sounded anything <laughs> like this, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, so, we do a lot of the research that, that what actually happened... We look into continuing characters we'd like to bring back. I mean, uh, Peter Stebbings comes back once a year. Uh, Peter Callahan comes back once a year. Uh, we, we pay some attention to what the fans, you know, their favorites. Uh, and we try and see if there's a way to bring them back so that we, we do create a little bit of a world of Murdoch. And then the murder stories are the murder stories. You know, uh, and that's just wheel of suspects who died. When did they die?
0: Do you do you, do you keep to that rule where um, that murder ru- mystery rule where you see the the who did it very early on in the in the episode? Do you yeah, always, yeah, yeah, I think
1: yeah. Uh, there may be one or two exceptions, but generally. All the players. It's not a. It's not a procedural. Like we don't come to the person after interviewing people. Right. Oh, there he is. He's the guy who lived in the box. Uh, no, we've met them all. Uh, it's not a. Pr- it's not a procedural. It's a mystery. That's one way to, to to find the difference. I'm more comfortable doing procedurals. The writers on the show are more comfortable doing mysteries. Okay.
0: Well, but it, but it is it it the the show comes from from roots like it's it's it comes from a book series Mm -hmm. Um, so how does that play into what you're doing now Uh, do you do you have um
1: the author of the series of books is a uh, is a consultant on the show in that she vets the scripts uh, largely for language and largely for social mores and, and manners
0: Oh, so she knows a lot about the period, is? Yeah, she?
1: yeah. Uh,
0: and di- I mean, be, I mean, you know, like seven seasons in, a lot of people must feel like they have ownership of this property. I mean, not just the author, but the actors, and you know, anybody who's been with you for a long time. So, like, how do you, how do you manage all that? How do you balance everybody's vision of the show and and keep keep well it yours?
1: sounds easy, but I just sort of let the people who know what they're doing do it. And uh, hopefully I can judge the ones who actually do know what they're doing as opposed to the ones who say they know what they're doing. Uh, we've had a lot of the crew that have been with the show for seven years. Uh, we, even on a Canadian budget, we make this show on a shoestring. Yeah. and. You know, we sank the Titanic in the first episode. We flew over Niagara Falls in the first episode of last year. We have an episode that takes place seven days on a train this year. Uh, the crew kind of give a shit about the show. And uh, so I encourage their input, if only to keep them, you know, because often they have good input, and other times it's like, Well, i got to give them something, man, because they're the ones, if they turn off and just treat this like some American industrial we won't be able to make this show uh, for example we, we did an episode this year which was uh, kind of being cross promoted with the winter olympics So uh, we have a curling subplot in it and uh, there was no winter olympics in the turn of the century but there was something called the nordic games uh-huh. there was four sports uh, curling, hockey, bandy and ski jumping uh, we couldn't do three of them. <laughs> but we could I don't do even it. know what bandy is. What it's like another version of hockey. Uh, okay. <laughs> and and so you, we're doing a curling thing. We found a curling rink. We, we dressed it to make it look period. Uh, end of the night, the camera crew would be on the ice for 13 hours. It's fucking freezing. And it's also 100 degrees outside, so nobody dresses appropriate. It's going to be cold, you know, and you know what it's like when you get off an airplane in the Caribbean, you know, hot, yeah, oh, I forgot that, you know. So you forget cold very fast, so everybody's freezing. And at the end of the night, you know, we needed that. They'd set up a rig earlier in the day. We needed that shot, the shot, the curling shot, which is the circle, the overhead Don Whitman curling shot. And the rig wasn't high enough, so it wasn't really a a circle. It was like a squared circle. I'm like, that's, that's not right and you know one of the grips who just sort of received the worst possible news i didn't know at the time rebuilt the rig because he knew we needed that shot and you know you don't do that unless you actually sort of care about the show because they could have just walked away
0: but you must make them care about that so how do you do that
1: uh listen to them uh don't treat it. I mean, I'm the new guy. I'm still the new guy, you know, on the show. And, and uh, I don't treat their past accomplishments like, uh, lightly. I don't come in saying I have to redesign this show. I mean, I think in a subtle way I kind of have because people tell me that. But it's not uh, – it was a good show before I showed up. Uh, I have no reason to 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 criticize their work to to pat myself on the back and you know everybody you know wardrobe people know more about wardrobe than I do you know so why wouldn't I let them run with it uh you know I mean there's certain areas where I think I have expertise and I'm more than willing to to you know uh give up the ones I don't have
0: right so uh, f- everyone out here should know that if you put up your hand, I will call on you and we will, um, we will hear your questions as well as mine. It's, it's uh, participatory activity, and I really can keep an eye on you and make sure that um, if you just raise your hand that you get um, your question answered. Okay, so um, uh, how big is your writer's room?
1: Uh, five and me
0: five and you okay yeah. and so um do you ever use outside writers
1: uh this year we used uh four and a half wow yeah why uh, tell me no uh well, i mean no but uh, you know
0: it is always a question i mean it's it's hard to get the vibe of a show when you're not inside the room i think um, it's
1: partially you know at the insistence of the broadcaster okay uh in, you know um they wanted to see. I mean, I'm sure they're test driving a couple of freelance writers. Uh huh. Um,
0: but I mean, our
1: show is pretty. Uh, I mean, our story department does a ton of drafts before anybody sees anything. And oh, uh,
0: oh, really? Yeah. So, so even it, it outlines
1: and, and and nobody can read mystery outlines, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. You know, I mean, they send them off, everybody's confused. I don't know who this person is. Uh, that name, oh, there's too <laughs> many names. There's too many, you know, and so nobody can read them. There were a ton of characters in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Is this,
0: un- Is this This seems to be more than usual. No, I think no? it's
1: relatively typical. I mean, this one just has less suspects, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the fatal flaw in it is obviously that it's never killed anybody. Uh, he killed lots of things, but not many people that we know of. Uh, horses, elephants, gibbons—you know—he uh, And he was a, kind of a bastard. Uh, well I, we're Tesla, I got we're the Tesla. impression we're, you didn't like him. We're Tesla fans over on the Murdoch <laughs> Mysteries camp. <laughs> Let me tell you, man—we uh, got no time for Addison over here. Uh,
0: actually, actually, when we the the when we did um, a writer's watching TV when it, uh, on the first season of Murdoch, and we that was the the Tesla episode was the ep- episode we watched mm-hmm. actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, so the outlines, uh, I spend more time working on the one sheet, the one pager, than I do on the outline when it's going to the network. Okay, so
0: let's just go through the process. So you do a one pager for the network first?
1: Yeah, I'll do a one pager for the writing room first, then we'll tear that apart for three or four days, come up with with a one pager. Okay,
0: then we have to go back even further. So where do the stories come from? Before the one-pager, do you write them all? No, no, no. It comes out of that period of research at the beginning? Do people come in with pitches? What about the outside writers?
1: Outside writers generally got handed stories. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Uh,
0: uh, That had already gone to the network?
1: I think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of blessed on the show, is that the network's not really a part of our equation in making the show. So they Except to support us. Th-
0: so they, f- they, they respect seven years of experience. and
1: We came onto their network and did better than any domestic drama they had. And then when we went on live with our real shows, we were getting Avonlea numbers.
0: Yeah, I know. You know well, these, that are hasn't old, happened these are old numbers. That hasn't happened in 20 years yeah, for them. Before the multi-channel network, these yeah. are the old, old real numbers for viewing. Uh, okay, so so um, so the stories come from.
1: They come from the research. Yeah. Uh, they come from. Okay, blood doping. Okay, but I need a sport. I need something outside. I need something that's kind of. What could Murdoch be wearing? How about a cycling you? They'll like that. You know, those <laughs> middle-aged women are going to dig Murdoch <laughs> in the. That's a reason to do a story. And then it's like, well, okay, cycling. Okay, okay. Oh fuck! You see, fucking Lance Armstrong. He sa- still says he didn't do it. You know? Okay, Lance Armstrong. Okay, now we got a sport. We got Lance Armstrong. We got Murdoch in a bicycling uniform. Uh, what else? Blood, 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 blood types. Yeah, I was just reading. That's 1901. Lister blood, or whoever its name was. Blood yeah. types. And so it just becomes a, a jam like that, right? And so that's us that's the writers it may be somebody just sometimes me sometimes anybody on the staff walking in you know i'm thinking halloween we're doing a halloween episode what haven't we done well let's do zombies everybody loves zombies walking dead 16 million let's do a zombie episode well how do we do a zombie episode you know well
0: is is that historically correct did they have zombies in 1901
1: no, but they had people that were doing pretty invasive brain surgery on people. Mm-hmm. So lobotomies. How far is lobotomy from a zombie? What if the lobotomy goes bad? You get a biter. You know, I mean. <laughs> and what if that guy is a tie-in from the web series? Because we did a web series about lobotomies. Okay. And Halloween. They want a Halloween episode. So it. It hopefully, it's a free-flowing exchange of ideas.
0: Okay, so, so you put together a whole bunch of elements to build the story on. And then and then um, you do a one-page, yeah. which you spend a lot of time on.
1: Yeah, we never get to the end of the story. We always leave the one-page with a question, right? W- what could it have been Jill? She was seen in the place. You know, we always... We always end the one pager with the possibility that the mystery is still to be unraveled.
0: So, so around the third act or the second act? Yeah. Second act. Yeah. Um, and so and that goes to the network, yeah. and, but you're pretty confident they're going to say yes?
1: Yeah, well, you know, y- yeah. Uh, if we want to do it, we will find a way to do it. And sometimes we pull out of stories that have been approved because we're bored of them before they've been written know or we're not ready for it like we did one you know that's we're shooting next week that we came up with last year that that okay now we can do this you know uh, so the one-pagers go off and I usually send them off in a big snowball big you know here's 12
0: okay so almost the whole season
1: yeah take eight you know, we'll work on the next four. We'll we we'll, you know, we'll throw those out because we can't find those actors or or no, that's really going to be expensive or we don't like it anymore. So we spend a lot of time on, on the one-pager and that's often a group thing that's talking that story out for two or three days and then, you know, it might be a eeny, meeny, miny, moe. You know, I guess you're doing that one or I really want to do this one uh-huh. and that writer will probably go off Figure out the, like something that's now a two page, which has got the, you know, the second half of the mystery we haven't sold to the network. Mm-hmm. We'll talk that out. And depending on the writer, we'll either get onto the big board for two or three or four days. And some of us prefer to work, don't want to work that way.
0: So some of you will break your own stories on your own, yep. and some will break it in the yep. room. And do you, do you, when you're breaking in the room, do you start with the act breaks? No, how do you so? Yes, I've talked to you about well, that. Well, the most before. difficult you thing is you just go from beat to beat to beat, don't you?
1: I do, but nobody else in the room does.
0: What do they I mean, do? We have the most
1: dysfunctional story department in the world. I but mean, we all think the show is different.
0: Well, it's working? Yeah, it's we don't have a unified
1: you. vision at all. You know, okay. I don't think you know. It's a comedy of manners. No, it's not. <laughs> it's about this guy who invents things. Well, I think it's about, you know, the relationship of Jews. No, it's not. It's about murder. You know, I mean, so yeah. we, you know, one writer in particular can't start working until he's figured out the end. I can't, I can't do that. I but
0: in A Burner Mystery, don't you have to know who did it?
1: Well, eventually you find out, you know. Uh, that's, that's my, <laughs> it's like, well. And then you backfill the motivation. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well,
0: but it's still a construction job. Just. Yeah. But you know, you've got so much of an internalized the process internalized that I think you have some shorthands there. Oh, we probably to say
1: we probably do. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's a certain point in the season because of my other duties. I kind of. I'll either come in and say I want to do a story like this or somebody will say I think we should do a story like this and I'll work it out with them like for the better part of a day like the, what would be the one pager. But I'm confident enough in their abilities that I'll just leave the room at that point and they can do the hard work on the board. Right. And then I'll read it and say well I don't know. You know, I think that's. I think your act three is kind of where we should be at the end of act two. And maybe we should... You know, and we try not to, oh, well, this is only 40 pages long, so let's put in a 12-page subplot about Bracken Reud, Reed's tooth. We've done that. But but we try not to. Like, the show is the boat episode, the bike episode, the movie episode, the Return of Sherlock Holmes episode, the zombie episode, the killer spiders episode, the, the train episode, the Burdock Goes to Newfoundland episode, the... Our episodes are our episodes. So you can explain them in one word. Right. It's not well. It's a little bit, except for Friday the Thirteenth beats curling, which is a whole. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> it's our it's our one kind of A B plot of the year.
0: So 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 really not B plots, B stories. There are B stories.
1: There's runners. I mean, I would say this what year.
0: Would you, well how many how many beats would you say in a, is in a runner? Do you define it that way or just?
1: I don't even really think that we've got a well-constructed beef story in any of these episodes this year. I mean, in the sense that the B stories exist only are William and Julia ever going to do it. Yeah. You know, and, is our and, beef story. And, and, and well, people want to know. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, and we, uh, we also are in disagreement in the, in the writer's room about that. I think they have, and the rest of them think that they haven't. Ah. You know, because I wrote the scene where they did. Because Murdoch showed up ten minutes late for work. You never would have done that if he hadn't slept with that woman. But we're there you the have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't Ogden. That was somebody else. No.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. Okay. So so let's just keep going now. So you you've got you've got an outline. Do you write like a a real formal outline and i see a hand up everybody's different
1: like look some people want more detail right like i like to discover the script as i'm writing it my outlines are like 11 pages long but i would say that the murdoch average murdoch outline is probably 14 to 20 pages Uh,
0: so very very that's well developed a well-developed story
1: yeah and that way it's like there's not a single network exactly can get through that
0: that's, that's a, is that a trick? Is that a, yeah, an maybe. advantage? I mean, I'm not being fair. The
1: CBC has been incredibly supportive, fantastic. They do give us notes, but we are not. Uh, their notes are how do you guys tell your story better. They're not, this is the story I want you to tell. It's a fundamental difference. It's a real
0: partnership. I'm just looking around to see if there's a, a microphone for people in the audience to ask their questions with. Um, Terry, are you going to do that? Because we've got two questions in that row right there. Five, one, two, three, f- five back. Just okay. okay. Well, well. Just we're as
1: long as they're not my
0: writing room. <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> their hands are up back there. Um, but while well, we're waiting for the microphones to get there, so so then so then um, th- you. How how long are your drafts? How long is how long is an episode? How many pages is an episode?
1: It's funny because this year, for some reason, and I'm not sure why, because our content time is down. Our scripts are longer. Uh, depending on the level of action, you know, boat sinks, passengers, you know, hundreds of passengers are evacuated. I mean, that's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, I'd say 52 to 58 pages.
0: 52 to 58. Okay, is yeah. the mic there? Okay, go. So uh, first question, how worried are you about plot holes?
1: Oh, I think we are worried about plot holes. And we see them and we go, oh, shit, let's not do that again. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I mean, this is a funny one because this is really the trouble with triples episode of Murdoch. It's it's atypical. Uh it's 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 for the longtime fans who, who see the slightest character derivation as, as, as worthy of much discussion. But plot holes are something I mean it's a murder mystery. We kinda hope we don't have them. Sometimes we do, and then it's a question of like define a plot hole. You know, I mean we have five eyes on the script. Uh, and it's always a question of not explaining too much, you know, so it becomes very pedantic. But then, uh, why, you got a a plot hole for me?
0: A big ship sinks in about 10 minutes?
1: Uh, Is that a plot hole, or is that just the economy of storytelling? I mean... uh, I don't think that's a plot hole. It started sinking at the end of the second act and sank at the end of the show. And that sort of fits in the frame you know uh, yeah I could conceive it was a plot hole uh, I don't know if I would define it as such but I could see technically no it, would, it wouldn't happen of course
0: and second question only 10 minutes hmm <laughs> only 10 minutes
1: what? only 10 minutes sorry
0: uh, Murdoch was late for only 10 minutes
1: Well, no, because he slept in, right? He slept in. He's always at work on time. He had sex that night, slept in late. He was ten minutes late.
0: Okay, could you pass the mic down that (laughs) way? Because we've got someone in the middle of the row. Please, thank you. Uh, You mentioned uh, earlier. You kind of alluded to a resistance to making the show too serialized. Mm -hmm. That you said serialized shows are kind of the easiest stories to tell yeah is there a philosophical reason you stay away from serialization because like fans can get super into that sort of stuff seeing the stuff develop every week
1: i think we have the serialized elements in that we sort of have the slow evolution of of murdoch as a rigid jesuit to a guy who's more a man of the world i mean that's a very slow serialized character change for him uh I think we have the serialized elements of, of these, these, these 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 two women slowly sort of taking control of their destiny a little bit more. We have the serialized elements of of Murdoch and Julia's romance and also George and and Emily's romance and also uh, Brackenreed's move into, you know, getting a bit older. Those are all sort of strong serialized elements. I know what you're getting at. I mean, what I'm getting at is what happens with shows is all of a sudden we start going home with them in a cop show. And it's like, this is Murdoch Mysteries. We have an incredible fan base that just wants to see the mystery. They don't want to go. They don't want to go. And, and they don't want to go home with any of them. And then we have a big fan base that does. And I think what has made the show popular, uh, other than the appeal of the actors, of course, is the is the one of storytelling, you know, murder mystery, and every once in a while we do a half-decent one. Uh, I love writing serialized stuff. Uh, given my druthers, that's what I would do. But there's not a single person in this country buying it. You know, that's just the fact.
0: Anyone else in that row have a question while we're out there? Okay. Well, just keep watching if I see any more hands up. Uh, So um, uh, talk about the fans a little bit and your relationship with them and how much their thoughts and their feedback infiltrates your life.
1: Well, it's interesting to be on a show that actually has fans. Uh, I mean, that's been a, a sea change. You know, right. uh, and, and that's that that's partially because of, of the, the, you know, the access that social media allows. Uh, the fans are voracious commentators, uh, even during the summer, you know. So by the time, you know, when the show's not on, so by the time the show starts airing, you know, they've spit out enough story ideas that they can, you know, convince them themselves that they've taken credit for every single one of them. <laughs> uh, Zombie? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, the thing about the fans is it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, and I think that there is a, uh, a canary in a coal mine of, that you do. When the fans start to really rumble, you know that you know, it's time to do something about that. You know, but the worst thing to do is, is, is deliver what they want you know because then they thought of it and now we're not giving them I- something new oh we came we've seen that no was a fan suggested that
0: but how do you know what the fans are doing do you go on the forums and read it do oh, you yeah. follow what's going okay. on of on of twitter
1: course. of course
0: you know of course and do you talk to them
1: rarely usually when i'm drunk and then I try, That's and, never. I try and feverishly erase it the next morning. You know, like, fuck, 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 what have I done? I've, I've opened up, the, you know. Uh, but I don't try and engage in an active debate with them. I mean, if something is, like, incredibly specious, I'll be pissed off. And go, Oh, come on. That's not what happened at all. Uh, you know, but I do that very rarely. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, you know, it's a sad world you know there's a lot of people yeah. that are deeply invested in the fates of these characters like deeply invested like i hope you get cancer and die for writing that
0: right
1: you know right. uh yeah. yeah that wasn't to me that was to paul but he probably just deser- <laughs> but he probably deserved it at, at, at that point you know but uh, uh so there you know i can't watch this show you know anymore because it's just reminding me of my failed marriage, you know, and I can't. And so you've got a l- bit of a lunatic fringe. Right. Uh, you have but you mi-
0: always have that among the people who respond. Yeah, because I mean. Because responders are.
1: Well, periods like people. sci-fi, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. That china pattern. What the fuck are you guys doing with that china pattern?
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah oh I didn't I didn't realize that they were analogous genres in that way uh, but oh, yeah. I yeah. and there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of period for them to gravitate around yeah. these days so yeah
1: and I mean there is what you know the literature says the period was there's I mean there's you know People were having sex in Victorian England. I'm sorry, and they were having like deviant sex. I mean, it wasn't just normal, normal, normal. You know, I mean, the 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 the, the you know, history is written for the for, you know about the wealthy and stuff. I mean, it's but you have people that are obsessed about detail. I mean, the most popular guy on our show for the fans is Craig, our props guy. Right, he does a lot of the stuff that's like the behind-the-scenes and uh-huh. <laughs> have questions for Craig. You know, Craig has 300 motion-picture cameras. Wow. So he's, like, one of them, uh-huh. you know. Uh, uh, so there's this whole thing about, you know, you get this. I get this thing that these, you know, because obviously 70% of the fans talk about... Almost exclusively about William and Julia. You know, Jillian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jillian and Grabtree. The two, <laughs> t- t- the two <laughs> couples, right? And, and they all beg us to m- get them married.
0: But you would never do that. That would.
1: Well, you never know. Uh, uh,
0: but is. Isn't that tension part of the basic...
1: It is, but seven years, right? Yeah. You know, it's... it's. I, I feel their pain, you know. Uh, maybe I should let them. But then it's like, do I go home with William and Julia? Well, I've fundamentally changed the series forever. You know? And there's going to be a little William. You know? Uh, so this year, we've tried to... We've tried to... I wouldn't say we did it to appease them. But we tried to give William and Julia an, an ease that, that didn't necessarily exist in, in the previous seasons. They joke a little bit more. And then do, they do kiss more often as the season progresses. So treating them like they're a m- married couple without marrying them okay. uh, to, to, to try and get that, 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 <coughs> that romance they so desperately want. But I also get this vision of them as being these sort of strange middle-aged cupid women that as soon as William and Julia get married, they believe the show and find another couple out there in TV land that they can get married.
0: So yeah, but this this is this is what I'm trying. I mean, I guess there is there are elements to the fan base, right? Mm -hmm. So there are you know romance fans and there are China pattern fans and details about you know the period piece and there have got to be murder mystery fans in that group too right I mean do, or, or are there I mean are they mystery fans
1: I think they are because when you know this episode it's like well there's no mystery in this this is the worst episode ever you know I mean we'll get those guys yeah. and then we'll get other ones and it's like it's so hard because there's that whole thing about somebody put it well on some site a few days ago but it was like and I kind of believe you have to let the audience find out who the guy who did it about 30 seconds before the detective does so they can always be I knew it I knew it that's a terrible mystery I knew that you know I mean
0: so you want to give them that moment of smart yeah and satisfaction
1: yeah and I think I mean, you're so limited by budget, right? I mean, how many suspects can you have on a Canadian show?
0: How many? How many? At a certain
1: point in time, it's like you're, you know, it's like I can't have that guy because he's, but it'd be great because he'd be great. Well, and you
0: must be running out of actors. Like, how big is the acting pool? I mean, you must have been through everyone, really.
1: No, there's still lots of people we haven't used, right? And I mean, it's 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 a it's an industry and it's a profession. It always creates new ones. You know, I don't find that we're seeing too many same old, same olds. I mean, that only happens, you know, when when the, the the powers that be think that we need a jolt of quote unquote star power on our show, and then there's this push to find some 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 actor, and and quite frankly, like them or don't like them. Yannick's one of the most recognizable actors we got in the country right now. We've got him on the show every day. Yeah. So I don't think putting Gordon Pinson's on the show is gonna give us more people, you know? So, uh, and because it's often a suspect part, they might have two scenes. You can get a lot of people that are right out of theater school. You can take the chance on, on very young actors because you're not asking them to be like in a flashpoint where they're carrying the episode. Like our guest characters, with the exception of the guy who plays Sherlock Holmes, our guest character and the guy who played Winston Churchill, our our guest characters are rarely asked to carry the show.
0: But they, they have about two two, three scenes? I mean you, often there's somebody who has a, who's yeah. a who yeah. takes a bigger role. But if you it.
1: got, say, twelve cast members a show, at least six of them can be relative newbies. Yeah,
0: that's a lot of that's a lot of casting in an episode twelve.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't always have that many, but we've had that many. I'd say more comfortably, we're looking at eight to nine speaking parts on top of our characters per episode.
0: And and do you, do you, okay, hang on. Um, do you go to casting, or is it all done by video submissions now?
1: Oh, God, I'm at the point where I'm just deciding if somebody's getting a job or not when I'm, you know, sitting behind a monitor looking on my iPhone. Yeah. You know, uh, casting takes 4 to 6 hours. And you don't go. Did you ever go? No. I mean if I'm directing I go. Yeah. Obviously. Right. But I again it's about empowering people. I want the directors cuz the directors don't really have any input in anything in television. <laughs> I want them to be able to pick their cast. You know? I mean, I got to give them something.
0: Uh-huh. So that I mean I hear I hear that from you over and over. I have to give I about giving the people who work with you um, areas of responsibility as kind of a managerial style. That that's important to you to to have the to to not control everything, but to allow
1: people to control their own departments. Hosted a cocktail party. Okay. Right. We I mean, just keep people doing what they want to do, right? And try and manage the conversation so it goes your way.
0: See, so this is very important show running lessons. We have a question right here. Um, Hi. I was just wondering if you could talk about, um, like, daily frustrations or, like, problems that you feel reoccur
1: um, or things that upset you or frustrate you being a showrunner? Uh, there's only two. Minutes. There's never n- enough time or money to do it properly. I mean, that's the bottom line on... Certainly on any Canadian show I've worked on. And and you know when you start the day that you're already racing the clock. And, and a lot of things that one could do better have to be put away because we simply don't have the time to do it. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of... I can't really talk about this job as being frustrating because it hasn't been, you know. uh,
0: Have uh, you had frustrating jobs?
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah, plenty of them, you know. And what
0: is, but, you know, what are the things that make show running frustrating? I mean, those are the the times when you don't get uh, control, you know, really have the control. Is that true?
1: Well, it's like when you're trying to please too many masters, right? And the, the masters have antithetical, mean, mm, mm, have opposing, opposing views on what the show is, right? I mean, I mean, I'm sure, you know, people have talked about, like, the listener, right? I mean, it was hard to work on that show because the two networks had a completely different view of it. I mean, I worked on a show a long time ago, which was uh, another Canadian-American co-pro, where the Canadian network, CBC, thought it was a workplace drama about eight or nine characters. And the American network who bought into it after the fact thought it was about a lone reporter and could he carry a gun. Right? (laughs) So let's get rid of the newspaper set. Let's tear it all down and just go to Justin's house where he goes out and does a mission and files the story in a post office box. And so... (laughs) Trying to work, <laughs> trying to work those two things together, is impossible, and and that's that that's a frustration. Uh, uh, but I would say that the only thing I think about every day on my job is money.
0: Okay, so do you, do you, do you actually see the physical budget? Do you have access to the budget? To I the can numbers? if I want. There
1: a couple shows I was the check signer guy but it just was too <laughs> i just i couldn't deal with it i have a pretty good instinct after doing this for 25 years as to what things cost right you know so
0: i mean you kn- but you know how you're controlling the budget from the script and yeah. and and but you guys don't it doesn't look from looking at the show like you're um shying away from the big costly things
1: no, but you can always find efficiencies all the way, right? I mean, we do this show because m- our writing room has the script ready and to shoot weeks before.
0: So how does that work for scheduling? Because, um, because you've got to get your green light and your money in before the story department can work. Is that true?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you just finance that for a couple months.
0: Okay, so.
1: You know, uh, I mean, I'm talking more in a, on an episode-by-episode basis, right? I mean, it says, okay, we need to find a, 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 a curling rink.
0: Right, so okay. you have f- five weeks we to find you got five rink.
1: weeks to find a curling rink other than, oh, shit, we just got this curling rink script like four days before we're going to shoot it. Well, that curling rink's going to cost a lot more money.
0: So a lot of prep time is a great way to manage your budget. Yeah,
1: because then you can go through the script again. Do I really need that character to go outside? No, no, I can do this inside. Okay, I shaved a day off that actor. You know, you have the time to investigate the script for the miniature savings that amount to something over over time so that you can say, I'm going to spend, you know... Twenty grand flying over Niagara Falls.
0: Yeah, that was pretty spectacular. Yeah, uh, so I mean,
1: it's like we're going to spend that money, but it's going to come out of something, and it doesn't have to be a twenty grand save to make the twenty grand cost. It can be thousand dollars here, five hundred here, You're just little itty bitty things that uh, eventually start to amount to money, right? Yeah. And, and and preparation. Knowing where your locations is, having proper scouting, all that stuff, means your chance of doing overtime just goes down, right? Because overtime kills you. Yeah. You know, especially on location. Right. Because everybody's in triple time.
0: And how much? Are, how much are, like? How many days do you shoot each episode?
1: <laughs> Six and a half. <laughs> Six and a half
0: days. Okay. And ha- and do you like generally have a balance of location versus studio?
1: uh it's what i can get away with okay i'll push for location all the time
0: but not the whole show like you must spend a few days in yeah th- on set how much it, is there, is it, it's it show dependent dif- you know de- every totally once in different. a while it's
1: like all right let's strap it down let's throw some people in the interrogation room and let's have a lot of talk you know okay we're doing a real murder mystery one here like Everybody's got an alibi. Everybody's going to have to be interviewed multiple times. Okay. Okay. We're in that studio, you know, and and let's save a hundred G's.
0: Okay. Well, that's a big savings. That's yeah. a really good savings. Yeah. So and now talk about time too, because that's the other thing. I mean, now you've got. I mean, what what about your life? Do you have a life? Do you work all the time? Do you ever go home? Do you ever get home?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Watch, yeah. Uh,
0: Did you say you watch TV?
1: No, not anymore. (laughs) It's weird. Uh, I put it on the third floor of my house, so I never want to go up there. Uh, I watch TV with my kid. You know, I watch Murdoch with my kid. Uh, Well,
0: that's nice to have. I mean, uh, how old is your daughter?
1: Nine. Nine. So
0: it's what a great thing to have. Make a show that you're, you're.
1: She likes the decapitations okay very good uh, uh but yeah i think i have a life i mean i choose to be at work yeah. i mean i what
0: are your hours what time do you go in when you're shooting are you always there like at i think the, at the i'm beginning? probably
1: close to all no not at the beginning uh, i can be uh i don't know what my hours are i'm there till i don't want to be there Okay. You know.
0: But you don't feel an obligation to be there from the mor- moment you shoot to the moment you rap
1: Uh-huh.
0: And and how and and are you on set during the day?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is that that's the place you want to be?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean basically because at the beginning of the year I'm spending 80/20. 80 20, 80 percent in the writing room, 20% doing other shit, right? Yeah. And then as the year progresses, the amount of time in the writing room decreases to about, I don't know, 30% of my time in the writing room, 40% of my time on set, 20% right. of my time in editing. Oh, that's 110. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. Yeah. That's well, I mean, you must
0: be doing a lot of posts now, though.
1: Yeah, but we don't
0: get any notes. Oh, okay. Deanna, <laughs> we have a question here, right here in your row.
1: Uh, just wondering about uh, 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 new writers that you bring into the room. Uh, sounds like you get a lot of them through the CFC where you have that pre-existing relationship with them. I'm mm-hmm. uh, wondering uh, uh, for writers outside of that, like I'm at the Humber uh, post Program, uh, uh, what are you looking for in new writers and what do you like to read from them as well? Good question. Uh, I mean, the CFC thing is basically, you know, was... I have no particular allegiance to it other than I taught a class there, right? So uh, that was my association with it. I mean, with new writers, I mean, if I'm going to read stuff, which I will, uh, I'm really only interested in reading original material. You know? No spec script. I've never read a spec script in my life. Except never when in I, your life. Except when I had to decide between a couple of people to get into the CFC program, the second thing was to look at their spec scripts. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, I think.
0: So you want? Do you want? And and do you care what what's original? Do you care if it's a play, if it's a movie, if it's a an you know an original pilot?
1: I, um, it, it has to be film. I mean, it's not about dialogue and shit. I, I mean, it has to have some sense that this person knows how. The visual narrative works.
0: Okay, but so it could be it It could could be a a pilot or a movie. Yeah,
1: it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I mean.
0: And so, what qualities do you look for in 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 a writer? And do you try and balance your room with like, like um, Tassie was saying, it's like a cocktail party.
1: Uh, it it's really hard to know. I mean, I think it's it's. I mean, I have to count on my confidence that I'm basically going to make this room work. And so I'm not looking for, you know, desperately looking for a sports analogy here. Uh, I'm not looking for, like, the reliever and the, you know, and the the guy who can do nine innings. I mean, I'm looking for (coughs) hopefully a balance of people. I mean... uh, but I'm not looking for a particular skill set, you know, out of anybody. I've read their script. This is a good script. You know, <coughs> he doesn't eat with his hands too much. I think I can take him mm-hmm. out with people. Uh, they're going to be able to get along together. Uh, and you're
0: going to be able to hang out with them for... How
1: yeah, long? I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I've, so many of my writing rooms, everybody's so pure now. It's it's more difficult for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, but, but no I mean I, are you look and you read the scripts and you go that's a really good script and you meet the person and, and, and you go well what are you about and it's like it's not impossible to get rid of somebody
0: okay let's you know talk I mean? about firing people
1: I hate doing it and I've very rarely done it. Okay,
0: but how do you do it? Like what are the what would you do if you had to when you have had to fire people? Like do you do you have to do it face to face? Do you take
1: I have to do I I try not to delegate it. Somebody fired me once through delegation and I went, That really sucked. Like man up, you know? Uh, but it's really hard and I've done it very rarely. I mean, usually I can gut it out. And they just won't be back next season,- uh-huh. I got it out you know so
0: you'd rather you'd rather I'd do write. that it's, it's than awful. say
1: no I'm not like norm on cheers right <laughs> I enjoy you know'll cry with you as I fire you you know i uh,
0: and but, it's but it's rare crew or crew? you re- would you have to be responsible for firing crew or I having tr- hard dis- discussions with cast i mean those mm. are
1: cast is one thing I mean character's life comes to an end on a show Mm -hmm. you know it's like sorry man there's nothing for this person to do anymore you're dead you know can't help you there you know uh that's what the story told me was gonna happen you're dead yeah uh crew i leave that to the people who hire the crew. I don't hire the crew. The line producer hires the crew. Yeah. I will be involved in a discussion. And I can say, no, I don't want that to happen. Uh, but generally, I, I, I have to trust the, that that person's judgment. And, and.
0: But what the like, keys? I mean, well, all right. Let's talk about directors then. Let's move on to directors. Um, and, and especially in the context of this episode where, um, you know, there, were some, some, there was some stuff about women and, you know, um, and it was directed by a, 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 a female director. We don't have a lot of female directors. Do you, do, you, do you have more than Gail who works on your show?
1: Yeah, we have uh, Eleanor Lindos worked on our show, uh, a young female director... I forget her last name, Dawn uh Dawn, Dawn Wilkinson, Wilkinson works on the show.
0: Well that's that's a that's a ton yeah. of female directors for this yeah. industry.
1: Yeah. And 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 uh, I mean the one thing I don't have on this show that I usually have on every other show is 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 the right to pick the directors I want to work with.
0: Oh you don't? No.
1: It's a bit of a sticking point, but it's it's the rewards are are are, are outweigh know, that the, the thing that annoys me.
0: Okay, so you it, it, in the sense that you you gave you you got something for giving up that.
1: No, I mean the 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 sh- the harshest critics I have on this show are the people who work in the writing yeah. room with me, right? The toughest notes I get, the best notes I get, the most maddening notes I get all come from my writing staff. Yes. I don't have any of that aggravation from any outside source. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Network, production company, foreign guys, foreign market, comments, suggestions, but nothing that impedes my ability to, to do the job. Okay. So getting that as a writer where your worst critics are your colleagues uh, and are often just pointing out what you fucking know anyway. Yeah, that's pretty soft. That's a pretty soft third act. Yeah, you're right. You know, So giving up the chance to hire some of the directors I would like to hire is acceptable.
0: Okay, yeah. I I okay, I got it. All right, you you got to put up your hands now if you want to speak. Here we go. Here we got a question right here. Hi, you talked about the foreign market. Mm-hmm. Um, how many countries
1: um, is Murdoch in now? Uh, you know, a whole bunch. Yeah. I mean, you get all these different numbers all the time. Oh, we're like, you know, you really a million countries, you know. But I think you know, eighty countries, ninety countries, something like that, and. Surprisingly, a top three show in France. Oh, wow. Like, we premiered last night in France, 3.6 million people. Wow. Well, right? you know what I mean? That's a I had population of 60. That's like 18 million Americans watching the show. It's number three on their. <laughs> France?
0: I had that di- conversation. <laughs> it's like we're going in to Banff. France next year, man. I That's where we're the, shooting. I had a conversation in, in Banff with a distributor who I just happened to be sitting next to. Um, and she was from France, and she couldn't. I mean, she went on for 10 minutes about how much she loves yeah, the show weird. and how I don't perfect know what it is. It is so. Jerry Lewis and Merle. Well, I wanted to ask you a sort of a follow on to that yeah. is, is how does that affect um, your audience base and what they, and how you kind of write to that
1: well, wide our, range our of like people? Well, our, our principal one that we care about. I mean, is is a relationship with Alibi, which is the British broadcaster which which puts money into the show. Uh, To that end, we, we, you know, Winston Churchill, they go out of their minds. That's fantastic. Uh, We try to get two or three British actors of note over every season uh, so that they can sort of feel a part of it. Uh, You know, obviously, this is Toronto, turn of the century. It's like... 98% 98% Protestant. you know uh the stories you know queen victoria uh the heritage the language they speak it, it it's it, it's really from uh, the old country so i mean keeping keeping uh the British broadcasters, Happy, is is trying to find roles that they can promote on their network. Oh, guess what, you know, so-and-so from Doctor Who is on, on Murdoch. In terms of the larger market, uh, we tell self-contained one hour, shows that they can broadcast at 4 o'clock in the afternoon they can change the order of them I mean they lose something but, but we don't have a vast like deeply serialized thing where you have to buy all 13 or all 65 and run them in order uh, so the allowances we make are just largely to the, to, to the British broadcaster and that's to, to uh, uh, this subject matter is of interest to us in Britain okay cool you know, give us a month or two, and we'll come back with something for you. And, and you know, that that's really about it. Uh, they give notes on the cuts every once in a while. They give notes on the scripts every once in a while. But but nothing, you know, nothing major.
0: Okay, so we have a question at the back, and then I think there's someone over here who has a question, and someone over here who has a question. So let's go to the back first.
1: Uh, just uh, something a little... Um, uh, Wider lens. I mean, you said that that we don't do serialized. Nobody wants to buy serialized in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in light of John Doyle's article this mm-hmm. week about how you know we don't make magnificent television in Canada.
0: Do you think w- why why do you think we don't make serialized? Why aren't networks
1: buying it or looking for it? <laughs> well, the. <coughs> If I'm a network and I buy a Canadian serialized show it has to run sequentially every week, what happens when the American programmers change their schedule and I've got to kick my show off? You know, they don't really care about uh, event television. Uh, they can't ever promise me except for the CBC, they can't promise me that if I put my show on the air, it's not gonna change time slots three times as they shuffle the deck. And the minute they start shuffling the deck and the serialized person can't find it on air, on, on Thursday night, they're not gonna watch it. Uh, they generally draw much smaller audiences, like, ratio-wise. I mean, there's exceptions to every rule. But for every Walking Dead, there's a Boardwalk Empire or or a, a, or a Nurse Jackie, you know, which doesn't get large viewership on air. Uh, they talk a game about, but as long as the privates are sort of committed to a lot of summer replacement TV, they're not going to make it. And the cable networks, I find in my experience with them is they want a show that can air on showcase and on global and on something else probably the outdoor life network and so content immediately gets dissipated to 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 be able to play over every platform that they've got so where's your teaser you know our 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 main network audience demands a teaser you can't have a, an opening of a show of a guy walking around a racetrack paddock for three minutes talking to a jockey about nothing. You know, they, they don't want to commit to doing... I don't know why they don't want to commit to doing... I think they should, but every series I've pitched in my life has made it almost all the way to getting made until somebody says, does it have to be serialized? And I go, it's about a fucking election. It's 13 episodes about an election. It has to go in order. You know, and it's, it's maddening. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I, wish, I wish one of the cable networks would, would, would at least try and take a chance on a couple of them. But yeah, Orphan Black isn't breaking bad. Orphan Black's not The Sopranos. Orphan Black is not the Kevin Spacey show on Netflix. I mean, it's it's not Boss with Kelsey Grammer. It's not Boardwalk Empire. It's not. Hey. It's not a. Sh- it's not. I. I think it's a fantastic it's show. Don't get me wrong. It's a great show, though. It's a yeah no, it is a great show, but it's not. The Sopranos.
0: It's not that kind of freedom that those those shows. It's yeah, not creatively. even dealing
1: really with the same same themes. Right. It's not really dealing with the deep human experience of of, of Deadwood. No. You know, so it's not it's a great show. I love those guys. I've watched the show. But it's, you know, I'm not damning it with faint praise, but it's not a masterpiece. <laughs> you know, I mean it's not like wow, I went on a ride. And there's not a single Canadian network that would let you end a series like they ended The Sopranos. They would have taken it away from you and reshot it. You know? uh.
0: Which they have the right to do. Yeah. Okay, so we have a question over here. And then, Alex, did you have your hand up again? Hi. um, You mentioned. Oh, Over here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Not a disembodied voice. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that you worked with a lot of freelancers, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't too clear on where they came from. Were those people the network was like, "Here, we love them, work with them," or? Did yeah,
1: it was a little bit like that. I mean, I, I mean, I'm old and social. You know, I kind of know all these people, so it's no great surprise, you know. But th- the suggestions came from the network. It would be really nice if you could give so and so an episode. Wouldn't it be great if so-and-so could work on the show? And for the most part, I didn't have any objections for that, except they were taking away work from my writing staff, who had the time to do it. Uh, in principle, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to recognize the benefit of what a freelancer brings to you. But every once in a while, you watch the show, and if you're quite honest with yourself, you go, yeah, I don't think we would have done that. I don't think, you know even that little itty bit part there, uh, he or she brought that to the table so I kind of like working with freelancers and everybody gets to be on their best behavior and we bring in the freelancer and he tells us how great the show <laughs> is and it's nice and we chat and then and and you know it's, it's fun to have a fresh perspective uh, you know what happens on a lot of shows when you've only got 13 you're paying off your writing staff with scripts so there's no opportunity for a freelancer to work in it Having the eighteen just gave that a little bit more uh, luxury for that to happen, and I would have been willing to, to uh, you know, try people with even less experience than, 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 than these writers had. Uh, I think it's 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 kind of maddening, but if the person's good, it's actually a lot of fun. Okay, any more questions out
0: there? any more questions out there uh okay so so 12 versus 18 you happy with 18 is 18 too much are you tired yet no
1: it's no difference i mean we used to always do 22 i mean this is halfway i mean because we started early because we're pretty good at it i mean We haven't had any script scrambles. We haven't had any panics. We haven't had anything thrown away. I mean, I think, you know, we're at a point where the cast and crew are so grateful that such a large number of people are watching. There's no temper tantrums. There's no problems on the set. It's just the grind of the work, you know, and I kind of made that a bit tougher on everybody because... We shot a ton of nights this year, mm-hmm. right? ton of nights in the middle of the summer when it's the longest days of the year. So there's a lot of people getting home around 5.30 in the morning. And I wouldn't do that again to, the, to that extent, even though I think it makes the show look better. So 18's not, yeah, I'll be happy to take a little bit of time off.
0: And that time is coming in the end of November?
1: Well, post'll go to. Post'll go to, I don't know, February or something. But that's just showing up and watching TV, <laughs> right? I mean, that's not a big deal.
0: So you're a happy guy.
1: Well, right now, yeah, you know. Okay. We're well. we gonna find out how the Leafs are doing. I you know for <laughs> sure. All right.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, keep it that way. Thanks a ton. This was really great. I really enjoyed it. No, you're welcome. Writers Talking TV is sponsored by the Writers Guild of Canada. If you've enjoyed this podcast, and you must have if you got this far into it, please leave us a positive review on iTunes. We all love a good pat on the back, plus it helps raise the profile of the show. I'm Jill Golick, here with producer Philip Bukovic, offering you some advice from the late Elmore Leonard. If it sounds like writing rewrite it.